Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together, verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. We're um, also going to be... uh, in prayer this morning for our friend Jenny, who's battling with a heart condition. We hope that uh, uh, her medicines will kick in and she will feel better. And uh, as we pray for her, we also will be praying for all of us that our hearts will also uh, kick in the right way and be centered on Christ. No matter what comes up, even if it's in the smallest little moment, sometimes if we let our hearts get off-center with Christ, Um, our whole minds, our whole whole minds and thought patterns can get off-center. So we just pray to be centered on Christ as we read His Word. Today we are in um, 1 Thessalonians. We'll be looking at chapter 2, and we'll be going from verse 1 down through verse 7. Here's Paul. Uh, he, like we've said before, he's just been in Thessalonica less than a month. He's given three teaching sessions or three sermons to the Thessalonian, this new Thessalonian church there. A bunch of young Christians uh, there. He's made a powerful impact. A lot of people are believing. Remember, Thessalonica, this is in... Um, the land of Macedonia. This is modern-day Upper Greece. And um, at the present time, when Paul is there, it's under Roman control. Rome had just earlier executed Jesus um, and um, had all kind of trouble still controlling the uh, this little area called Israel um, The people were just really hard to rule, and a lot of controversy uh, of the Jewish leaders with those who apparently were rebelling in the faith uh, called Christians. Now, they face this other issue where this Christianity seems to be affecting people within their, uh, closer in their empire uh, in Europe proper. So, uh, caused a lot of trouble, a lot of controversy. So, Paul gets chased out of Thessalonica. He has to leave. And now, Paul is down in Corinth, most likely, where he is writing this letter. His buddies, um, 
Timothy and Silas were um, a, a little bit behind him because Paul probably had to leave even faster. So they're bringing word to him of how things are going. And so now he is writing this letter back to encourage the Thessalonians. In chapter 1, we talked about what this gospel message does to us, what the Word looks like, and how faith and love and hope are byproducts of this gospel message. This is what the gospel message brings to us. Hearing the Word brings our faith, and it works inside of us so that what we do is a labor of love and it allows us to have this steadfast, eternal hope because the gospel message is eternal. It is steadfast, and it holds us up as we walk through our lives. And so, <clears throat> he's now he's talking about, uh, in chapter 2, he is talking about now how giving out the gospel is done. So let's let's jump in and see what he says. Chapter 2, verse 1. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. So, <clears throat> but though we had already suffered and had been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God. So what's he saying? He's saying that the gospel had a big effect on them. As they know, the gospel message comes, and it is the Word of God. And as we said last time, the gospel message comes as the Word of God. It is living and active, as we said again in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 last time. But the Word of God is more than just words on paper. It's more than just a book written uh, down with words on paper like the newspaper or like a magazine or something like that. And it's more than just a scroll that these folks would have written or read. It's the Word of God. And so the Word of God is power. And Paul says the Word of God comes with power. The Word of God comes with the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God comes with this conviction of truth. The Word of God is a blessing to all those who hear it. The Word of God brings joy because blessing means joy. The Word of God brings blessings to those who hear it. The Word of God brings joy in a world full of sorrow to, to those who hear it. And when we give out the Word of God, we become examples of the Word of God to those who hear it, just like Jesus Christ was the Word of God for all who hear it. Okay? So Paul says, as he's living out being an example of the Word of God, he is saying, look here, our coming to you is not in vain. Why? Because the Word of God does what it's supposed to do. It's living and active. Now you think to yourself, what in the world does living and active mean? These words aren't, you know, speaking. You have to read them. They look just like any other book. But God says, the Word of God, these words, because they're coming with the conviction of truth, 
and they come with the Holy Spirit attached to them. The Holy Spirit is alive in the world, and the Holy Spirit is maintaining the Word of God in people's hearts, maintaining the gospel message in people's hearts. And it's coming with power of the Word of God to change the life of the one who hears it. And as we said before, hearing the Word of God uh, brings faith. Faith uh, comes from hearing the Word of God. That's how our faith starts. So Paul says, Our coming to you is not in vain. Now, if we go back to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, Isaiah is talking about the Word of God. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word never returns void. It accomplishes what God pleases, what God wants, what God wants it to do in the hearts of everyone who hears it. It will always be beneficial to what God's will is. On earth and as it is in heaven, God's word is eternal. God's word is powerful. So Paul is telling them, our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and had been shamefully treated at Philippi. So as he is giving out the word of God, he is giving out the word of God, even though times are hard, even though he gets negative feedback. Notice that the feedback that you get from the word of God, handing out the word of God, does not have any correlation to whether or not Paul was going to give out the Word of God. Paul is giving out the Word of God independent of the feelings of those who potentially might hear it. He's giving out the Word of God because God wants the Word of God to go everywhere. If we feel like we don't want to give out the Word of God, if we feel like we don't want to talk about the Gospel message, because the person who hears it is probably going to reject it anyway, what we are doing is we are saying, you know what? We are denying the power of the Word of God to do what God intended the Word of God to do when He spoke that Word of right out of His mouth, like Isaiah says. And we are denying the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with the Word of God, like Paul was describing back in chapter 1. And we're also denying the conviction of truth that comes with the Word of God, that the Word of God is true and that all should hear it, should hear it as true. So what Paul does not do is worry about whether or not somebody's going to uh, reject the Word of God or not. And, of course, we read in earlier places that God says He chose people for Himself when they would hear the Word of God, that they would accept the Word of God. So, ultimately, God doesn't even allow Himself to be rejected by those people because He's already chose people that are His. He already knows the sheep that are His, and He's already given the sheep to the shepherd. The shepherd... Jesus Christ, 
When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he knew very well who he was dying for. He was dying for you. He was dying for me. Anyone who is ultimately going to trust him and believe him, he's already died for them. So now Paul said this word of God, this gospel message came not in vain. This gospel had a big effect on the people. Why? Let's read on. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, okay, so he was talking to the Philippians right before this, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare you to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. So right in the middle of all of this, Paul says they were bold. Now, they weren't bold people. He's not saying he was a bold, brash person and he went out and he was banging on the table speaking the word of God. They were boldness in our God to declare the gospel. And that's, that's a difference. They were bold in God. They weren't bold in themselves. They found their boldness in God's word. They found their boldness not to create some type of big thing about themselves or to create themselves as like superstars. They were bold in God. Now, God is humble. Jesus was all humble. But they were bold in God's humility. But they declared the gospel not watered down. They, they were bold in the directness that the word of God was delivered in a bold fashion. In other words, it was delivered directly regardless whether the people would accept it or not. They were bold to declare the gospel in the midst of much conflict. And when conflict is going around, what's the one thing that the people need to hear even more than anything else is the pure word of God with the conviction of truth. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. They haven't watered down the gospel. They haven't tried to filter the gospel. They haven't tried to deceive anyone in any way of what the gospel is or what the gospel isn't. They haven't tried to tailor make the gospel message for the people hearing it. They kept the gospel message constant. They haven't made any changes to the gospel. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. And as McGee says, everyone is entrusted to be a preacher. And not everybody wants to hear that. A lot of people will say, you know what, let the preacher be the preacher. I'll go to church to listen, but man, I don't want to, you know, get involved with preaching. I don't think of myself as a preacher. 
And Paul says, but we have been approved to be entrusted with the gospel. And God gives that gospel message out to freely. And that's what that's what uh, Jesus commissioned the church to do, to go preach the gospel message to all ends of the earth. The gospel message is made to bless one another just as Jesus blessed us with this gospel message. And we become examples as we talked about in chapter 1 when we hear the gospel message, hearing faith comes from hearing. And once that does works inside you, then what you do back to others is your labor of love. Your gospel message, God, you're, you're, you're delivering the gospel message and you're serving others is not out of selfish ambition or error or impurity or an attempting to deceive somebody. It comes from pure love inside your heart. That's your labor of love. And God knows your heart is love inside your heart when you when you uh, are walking with Christ. God knows the hearts. Paul says, "For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed." Paul's not trying to flatter those by filtering God's word to try to construct God's word where it would be more acceptable or whether it would they would be more responsive to the word that would be flattering the listener by watering down the word Paul doesn't do that he doesn't change the gospel because if he changes the gospel he changes the power of God he denies the presence of the Holy Spirit with that word as it was spoken by God. And he denies the conviction of the truth on the hearer's ears. And from that, he won't bless those who hear it because the word of God has been changed. Paul feels that he can't change it at all because he's been entrusted to speak. And he says, not to please man, but to please God. He's giving out the word of God for God's glory, for God's pleasure, because it pleases God to see others blessed by his word. And isn't it amazing that God chooses us, the sinners, to handle his word like this? Remember, you know, back in Old Testament times, the scrolls were holy and only the high priests could handle this thing. And it could only be at certain times. And they would have to go through these ceremonies to consecrate themselves before they could go to the Holy of Holies and look on the words of God. And now, with the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the word of God dwells among us and dwells inside us. And we have the presence of the Holy Spirit working inside us. And we become examples, as it says in chapter 1, 
verse 7, so that you became examples to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we may not so that we need not say anything. Paul's saying, you young believers, because of your faith, because of your faith, you become this example to all the believers. You become this example and the word goes forward because of your faith and your example. So Paul says he does all this for God's pleasure. Verse 5, for we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. Paul's not saying this to try to butter people up or to try to hope people will give them money, you know, if they or put a bunch of money in the offering plate. You know, that's such a temptation for for someone trying to 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 speak to others. You wanna you wanna be accepted by others. You know, would you please support my ministry? Would you please support my YouTube page? Would you please support my podcast? Would you please support my this, that, and the other? People are always saying we'd love to have your support. You have a fundraiser. Will you please donate now? Everybody, you know, would feel great if the packaging of the message is done in such a way that people would support it. And we so all too often we think of the successful endeavors of those with a pretty web page or a pretty book or the minute or the person who's written so many books. He must be really well respected. Paul says he's not coming in to try to flatter anybody or to try to get anything tangible from it, from his effort. God is witness. And he's saying, God knows my heart. Verse 6, nor did we seek glory from people. You know, he's not here for a popularity contest. He's not competing with Peter or any of the other apostles to see who's the greatest, or he's not trying to out-preach any of the preachers. He's not trying to outdo, you know, any anybody else. And notice, you know, how this letter starts. Paul, Silvanus, or Silas, and Timothy, he doesn't even give any acknowledgement to this church or like is to, you know, him being above the others. He just says, greetings from us. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others. Okay? He's not trying to be a superstar at all. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's not about them. It's not about us. Though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. You know, he could have said, look, I'm an apostle. I've met Jesus. That's what a, the word apostle means. And in the other, you know, like in Ephesians or Galatians, he, he always started his letter saying, I'm Paul, an apostle of Christ. He always had to set the tone as to what of, of his authority. And perhaps, as, this, as my, my uh, Bible study notes were saying, perhaps in the Thessalonians, in, the, in Thessalonica, they didn't question that. Paul perhaps didn't feel the need to set the tone of who he was. This is such a young church. They probably just 
believed straight off and trusted him straight off and just were probably showering him with with their belief because these believers, as he said, had become such an example in just this short amount of time for all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. They had made such an impact from their belief that in probably a month's time, the word had spread everywhere. And Paul said, so that we didn't even have to say anything. This Thessalonian church was really, you know, could have, sounds like it was really on fire. It was really um, their faith, their example had gone all around. He said, but we could have made demands for you as apostles of Christ. Paul could have fanned the flames even more if he wanted to be popular on this mission trip. Wow, look what he could have done. He could have coasted on this, you know, for a long time saying, oh, yeah, let me stay here. You know, no, no, I would assume no preacher would would want to preach more than to a congregation who adores them. But Paul said, we didn't do all that. He said, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Or like, as McGee says, like a mother hen taking care of the chicks. Or a mother bird taking care of the little birds. Paul says we were that gentle. Paul was there in all humility to give out the gospel message, but it wasn't watered down. So the Word of God, like we said before in chapter 1, the Word of God comes to you. The Word of God comes to everyone in power. It comes with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it comes with the conviction of truth. The Word of God comes as a blessing to anyone who hears it because it is uttered by God the Father in heaven for us to hear so that it may do something in the life of the person who hears it. And as Isaiah said again, chapter 55, verse 11, it shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose. In other words, it will accomplish the purpose which I, which I spoke it to do. God said the words the way he did, and his words will accomplish the purpose in the lives of those who hear it and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God said His Word will do the purpose He wanted it to. So the Word of God comes as a blessing on all who hear it because it is uttered from God the Father in heaven for the listener. The Word of God comes as joy because blessing is joy. Your life is completely Dead in sin. But when the word of God comes to your life, the word of God gives you the blessing of life through Jesus Christ and allows you to live in life and not death. The word of God is a joyful thing to anyone who hears it. And as the Thessalonians did, then we become examples of the Word of God for others to hear too. 
as the Word of God produces faith in us, it is a work of faith in our hearts. And then it becomes a labor of love as that faith gets put into practice, as we affect others around us. And the Word of God comes with the steadfast hope. The hope in His Word in our Lord Jesus Christ. So for me to all of you, I hope this was encouraging and insightful. Um, I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. So for me to all of you, God bless you, and I'll see you next time.